today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We have been talking extensively over the last, uh, I was going to say weeks, really months, about long-term care facilities. And uh, let me extend that for years, uh, because there have been some ongoing problems in those facilities for a long, long time. Uh, staff shortages, of course, of violence uh, in those workplaces against staff, against uh, against uh, some of the the patients in there. It's been going on for a long time, exacerbated, of course, by COVID-19. And we saw some horrific statistics about how the the virus had such an impact on long-term care facilities. So the Premier promised change and uh, said he was going to set up a special committee to do that. Uh, We haven't heard a whole lot from what's going on. I know there was an independent inquiry. Well, yesterday, uh, the Time to Care Act was uh, being pushed by the uh, the NDP in the Ontario Legislature, and uh, we want to get a, a read on exactly what this legislation, the proposed legislation anyway, is all about, and uh, whether or not the government is going to embrace this, because God knows something has to be done. And to that end, we're uh, pleased to welcome uh, the opposition leader, of course, NDP leader Andrea Horvath, back to the program. Andrea, thanks for the time. Good to have you with us today. It's always my pleasure, Bill. Nice to talk to you. Too bad I can't be there in the studio. <laughs> well, I'm not in the studio either. I've been working from home since March 15th, so you know what it's like. Uh, everything is virtual these days, as is the legislature, and it's got to be a little frustrating, although you, you do have a few folks, such as yourself, uh, the opposition leader, that can get in there. Uh, talk to us about, about I, I know your feeling about this, and we've talked with you about, about long-term care facilities and, and the need for reform there. Uh, just to put it in perspective before I get your read on this, I want to play a clip here from Dr. Nathan Stahl, who is a geriatrician with Sinai Health System, uh, who is saying, look, at the province has got to do more for these facilities. Older adults are once again paying the price for inaction in terms of controlling community transmission. We know that the greatest risk factor for whether a long-term care home is going to experience an outbreak is the prevalence of COVID-19 in the community. You know that. I know that. Uh, clearly, the doctor knows that, Andrea. Why is uh, the government dragging their heels on this? Because I think Mr. Ford's more interested in saving a buck than saving people's lives. And I know that's harsh, but that's been the evidence all the way along. I mean, and I'll talk, I'll talk all day about long-term care, but let's face it. They didn't have the testing regime in place. They didn't have uh, the contact tracing place, uh, regime in place. All of this for the first wave, right? They didn't figure out what to do for schools, and, and, and parents are still livid about how that's all shaking down. Uh, they, they haven't been able to process the tests, and now people are waiting a week to get their results. Um, I mean, all the way around, the government has failed, and the biggest failure, as you know, has been uh, has been in long-term care, and that iron ring that the premier pretended he was putting around was just a sham, and everybody knows it. And, and as a result, we've now hit the grim milestone of over 2,000 seniors dying in long-term care with COVID-19, and we're in the second wave, and they still have not done enough to prepare, uh, you know, the homes for, for the outbreaks. People are still dying as we speak in long-term care. It's horrifying. I had the premier on the program. This is, I guess, around the springtime. And it was, I'm sure you remember the incident. It was just after he had gone into one of these facilities. His mother-in-law, of course, is a resident in one of these facilities. And he, he was just, you know, uh, he says this was abhorrent conditions. And I'm sure, you know, that there are probably ones that are a lot worse off than the one in which his mother-in-law is in. But he, he, he promised us on this show, he says, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to have reform. Uh, now, subsequent to that, Andrea, I've been talking to a number of people that, that work in those facilities, a number of people that have family in those facilities. Uh, we've had representatives from CARP, the Canadian Association of Retired People, who have been advocated for this. And the consensus among all of them is they haven't done anything. 
No, they have not done anything. In fact, just uh, just before the second wave hit, so I think it was around, where are we now, end of October, so it must have been about the middle of September, uh, the, long-term care, the Long-Term Care Association, which represents both for-profit and not-for-profit homes and public homes, uh, the staff associations, the parent councils, the not the parent councils, the um, family councils, the residence councils like this, broad coalition of everybody and anybody in long-term care sent a scathing letter to the Minister of Long-Term Care saying, what's happening? We're not ready. You know, wave two is, is upon us and we're not ready. And, um, you know, every day we hammer the minister in the legislature. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and again, you're, you, when you started this conversation, um, you know, you were absolutely correct. The, the, the situation in long-term care has, is, is not new, right? I mean, it has been brutal for years now. I mean, this, this bill that we, we put into the legislature for debate the other day, the uh, Time to Care Act, I actually tabled the same bill several years ago. Uh, we've tabled it four times now. This is the fourth time we've had that bill because, of course, one of the key elements of making things better in long-term care is having enough caring staff, you know, to provide people the dignity, the quality of life, the care, you know, the moment to chat, uh, you know, the, the, you know the, the time to actually help people with a warm bath and getting dressed instead of rushing from, you know, from one person to the next. I mean, a big key is the staffing and, of course, you know, other provinces, I have to say, stepped up and put in, you know, significant amounts of effort and uh, dollars over the summer uh, to, to try to prepare uh, for, uh, for the uh, second wave with, uh, with staffing uh, plans. But, but, but Ford has done nothing. So he can cry all the crocodile tears that he wants, uh, but he would rather, you know, save a buck uh, than, than save people's lives. And that's, that's just unbelievable. Well, and, and that was the attitude I took, you know, when they rolled out the education plan about, about 10 days before the school year was going to start. I mean, they only had four months. I can understand, you know. But, you know, it, it, I, is this the best plan or is this the cheapest plan? And and I think it's, it's a cheapest. legitimate question to ask. Yeah, I mean, it, it is the cheapest. And, you know, we're going to see the budget next week, um, and, and I'm really worried. I mean, this is a government that just doesn't get it. Uh, austerity is not the thing to do right now. And economists of every political stripe are saying the same thing. I guess like only the far right politicians like Mr. Ford thinks uh, that austerity is how you deal with a, you know, with a, with a global pandemic. Uh, that's certainly what we've seen so far. He's been doing, he's been writing this on the cheap, uh, and he's been waiting till the last minute to make decisions like he dithers and dithers. And then he makes a decision. Uh, and, and says one thing and then and then does the other. Uh, the communication strategy has, there, I don't even think there is a strategy. It's been dismal. People are confused. And on top of it, they're exhausted. And, and here we are, you know, into winter with a little bit of snow this morning here in Hamilton. Uh, it's, it's just, I, you know, I, 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 sometimes I'm, I'm without words. And you know me, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, it's, it's really quite, quite frightening. So, I mean, there's a long list here, and I know that, you know, the, the, he's appointed some people apparently and they're meeting behind closed doors, which doesn't help anybody because I, I was under the impression, and I think everyone else was, that this was going to be not necessarily an inquiry, but at least something that's open to the public where, you know, people could make presentations and tell their stories. I know the independent inquiry is doing that, and they're getting some, some good information from people that are involved in this, uh, not so much from this. But, it, Andrea, it's not as if they don't know what the problems are 
uh, what we're looking for here are solutions. They, they know there's overcrowding. Uh, they know that there shouldn't be four people in those rooms, and there are still in many of those facilities. They know that they're understaffed. Uh, they know that the staff are poorly paid, which is why some of them have to work two jobs. You know, they get off shift at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at one facility and go and work an evening shift someplace else, and that's just so they can pay the rent. That's wrong. And he said, well, we're not going to allow that. Well, <laughs> you can't just say we're not going to allow it anymore if, you still have, if they're still not making enough money. They're going to find a job someplace else. They're still going to be working two jobs, which is another reason yeah. why the virus was transmitted. I, I can go down yeah. the list. You know the list as well. Why aren't they just acting yeah. on what they already know? Uh, I mean, you know what, Bill, I, I, I wish I knew. Um, and these are the very kinds of questions that we're asking them regularly, uh, and not just us, right? I mean, as you said, media is asking them, um, you know, experts are asking them. I, I had a, a briefing with the Minister of Long-Term Care and uh, the Minister of Health and Dr. Williams uh, just the other night, and they provided me with this slide deck. And, and what the Long-Term Care Minister basically has on the slide deck is that, uh, that they are going to, they are going to announce a medium-term staffing plan before the end of the year. So in other words, we're going to wait till sometime next year when they decide to actually implement something and or put together some kind of, you know, permanent plan or, or you know, long-term plan for, uh, for, for, the, for the long-term care sector. And that's just, I mean, give me a break. Talk about dragging your feet. It's just, it's horrifying. And all those family members that have have um, loved ones in long-term care right now. I mean, they're watching the horror story of the spring uh, replay itself. I mean, it's just, uh, I, 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 you know, it, 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 it's so irresponsible and it's so unconscionable uh, that, a, that a government can allow, uh, you know, this, this kind of tragedy to just unfold before its eyes and, and really not lift a finger uh, to, to help. It, it's, it's really... Uh, it's really scary, and and you know, uh, you know, Mr. Ford gets up on the up on the his like little podium every day, and you know he he has these you know heartfelt little talks with Ontarians. Well, that's not you know what that doesn't cut it anymore. I mean, that just doesn't cut it. I mean, at the beginning, everybody was pulling together and wanting to get things done, and we were providing a lot of proactive advice to the government, uh, you know, keeping the politics out of it. Uh, but th- it's long past due that this government needs to be accountable for the way that it's handled COVID-19. And, and the long-term care sector is, a, is you know, kind of, I, I believe, at the top because of lives lost. But, but as, you, as you described, education, lack of support for small business, um, you know, it just it goes on and on. And in the meantime, they're doing things that are unbelievable uh, under the cover of COVID-19. For example, issuing... You know, Charles McVitie. Uh, I was I was going to ask you about that. That's right on, on my list here. We're talking right, about Canada an Christian College. Yeah, to, and, to, get, to allow a good friend of Doug Ford's, who actually helped Doug Ford win his leadership of his party, and then went crazy over the uh, health and public education curriculum changes, and and Ford had to back away uh, from changing that because there was such a backlash from families. And then and now I guess this is the payoff, right? Well, we couldn't give you what you wanted on sex ed. So we're going to give you now uh, your your ability to grant degrees from from Canada Christian College. I mean, it's just this guy is a homophobe. He's an Islamophobe. He's a, he 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 peddles in hate, even though he's calls himself a Christian. It's terrible. It's just shocking. We're we're in 2020. Like, it's, what's going on here? I, I, it's yeah, and, and that's I mean that's just the latest debacle, right? I mean they're they're letting in. Um, they're letting long-term care homes, for-profit long-term care homes, and the government off the hook. 
in terms of any kind of responsibility or accountability uh, for the uh, the people that died in long-term care. There's right. all kinds of class action lawsuits and, uh, you know, individual lawsuits that are now going to be really, really, really difficult to win because the governor, government's pretty much indemnified uh, themselves and long-term care uh, operators from, from any, you know, from any um, accountability, any kind of uh, lawsuit. It's terrible. I got a quick thing about process here, uh, because this is the second time in a couple of days that they have done this. Uh, in, in the, uh, under the cover of, of COVID-19 relief legislation uh, that he's talked about during these sessions he does every day, okay? Uh, first of all, he included a clause in there that basically banned the idea of any alternative voting system, uh, in yeah. which and we had nothing at all to do with COVID-19. Uh, but all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, the the ranked voting system that London's already using, and Burlington and a number of other cities are exploring. He said you can't do yeah, it. Yeah, and, and Kingston, Kingston actually What's, had a referendum in it, the last municipal ballot to go go to a, a ranked ballot system. So what, what's and that got to do with COVID it. relief? But there it was in that bill. I mean, if no, you know, if, if you weren't, you know, reading every word, you would have missed it. And now he's done it again with this. Under the guise yeah. of COVID relief, he's, he's basically trying to give Canada Christian College the right to grant, make a university to grant diplomas, uh, which has nothing at all to do with it. I mean, it's, it, you know, we used to vilify it, I think rightly so, the Harper government for those huge omnibus bills where they put a lot of garbage in there and, uh, and then stick something in there that uh, they knew that, you know, it, we'll, we'll just try to slide this by. If I, could, if I could quote the Prime Minister, that sucks. I mean, that's, it's not the way you're supposed to govern. <laughs> no, it's not. But don't forget, a number of the MPPs that are sitting in Ford's uh, caucus, including his government house leader, uh, who, who really does, you know, control what happens in the legislature in terms of government business, uh, you know, they were MPs with the Harper regime. So, you know, they, they, they got the playbook and they're bringing it to Ontario, which is really, really shameful. Well, you've brought this forward. You and your party brought this forward. And, of course, uh, the media have seized upon it, as they should, because, I mean, let's face it, there needs to be some due diligence. Uh, the Premier's response to this, of course, uh, was that, well, look, at the, the, the ultimate decision about whether or not this is going to happen is done by an independent body. Uh, I, I'm a little skeptical about that. The new OPP commissioner back in the day was supposed to be selected by an independent <laughs> body, too. How'd that work out? Exactly. I keep calling this Ron Tavener, too this current situation but no i mean there's it's just i mean i think it's pretty clear that it's not an independent body uh, i don't know how ford has strong-armed it hopefully that'll come out at some point with uh, more digging but it's really clear that there, there's no independence in, in what's happening here in fact uh charles McVitie's application for canada the canada christian college w- was put online uh and right in the college application it says we're expecting legislation to be tabled uh, to to grant us our uh, our designation, and that was like months ago, <laughs> and the legislation just came like a couple of days ago. So how curious is that that McVitie knew that Doug Ford was going to grant him this favor? I mean, it's obvious that there's no independent process here. And then on top of that, of course, we well, the, the documents showed you know that that this college is loaning money to McVitie's family members and to McVitie himself. <laughs> I mean, what? independent organization that's governed by a board of directors and it's a not-for-profit ends up in deficit last year almost to the exact amount of money that they've loaned out to per- in personal loans to uh to the operator of their institution and his family members i mean the whole thing is just the whole thing sucks <laughs> to, quote, there you go. to quote the prime minister right uh but but you know but just but just back to how odious uh this government is operating i mean i've never seen and you know i've been there for a while now you i have never seen 
uh, a government close down debate uh, and not allow for public hearings and ram things through omnibus bills and all kinds of legislation the way that this government has. And, and I'm, and I'm, I, I, when there's things that are related to COVID-19 and we have to act, act quickly, we've always said to the government, like, you know, as long as you're not trying to pull a fast one, you know, we'll, we'll do what needs to be done. But this is, it's getting ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's really, it really become very dictatorial. And it, uh, we'll have to we gotta break it off right now, Andrea, but we'll certainly stay in touch with us. Thanks so much for the time today. My pleasure, as always, Bill. Take care. Right. Have a great Thank weekend. You. Take care. Andrea Horvath, leader of the opposition, of course, and uh, the leader of the Ontario NDP. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.